We are back with We Have Time Now. Episode two, baby. (laughs) Today we have a very exciting episode because we are talking about solar power. Lord has come out of her long, long, long hiatus and granted us with this beautiful album just so you know where we stand from the get-go this is uh this is a we love solar power episode yeah so if you want to hate on lord this is not going to be a space in which you can enjoy (laughs) doing that but (laughs) anyway in celebration of her solar power energy we are drinking campari spritzes as we talk yes maggie made a little bit wiggly (laughs) um let's get into it but first we should do a check-in how are you doing today today i'm good I honestly, I feel like I should be more tired than I actually am. I feel pretty energized right now, but I had two tutoring sessions today. Yeah, I don't know. It was two new students. It was good vibes. I I think I like, I like working with kids, which is nice. That's awesome. Yeah, and I feel like you have such a, a great personality for working with kids because you're very like patient and kind and like also very cool so I feel like you probably have their respect (laughs) which is nice you know yeah no and I like like in an embarrassing way like really want them to think I'm cool like (laughs) (laughs) no because they have a lot of power they do here's the thing they're middle schoolers I I don't know if if the audience knows this but I'm tutoring (laughs) middle schoolers which is like it's intense energy they like, like if either I, hate or they love literally you know? i feel like if i pass their cool test like i've passed the cool test you know what i'm saying <laughs> what about you maggie how was your day today was fine coffee store was like kind of weird energy today mm. but our roommate zeke who is in the room right now just oh. hanging out <laughs> <laughs> came in and got coffee which was really lovely but it was weird because like my boss was there and there were like three new employees and i was like how am i the most experienced person mm. who's working right now I've been there three weeks. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> but um, it's wild. Anyway, so it was like fine. And then I went for a walk and called my sister, which is always um, like way in which I feel like grounded and calm and happy. So that was nice. And um, I had therapy, which was a trip and a half. Today. Let's go. <laughs> Zeke's um, chuckling so in, in the a background. Really good way. <laughs> <laughs> we we both have therapy on Wednesdays, and so Wednesdays are a big day in this apartment. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> on Wednesdays, we do therapy, day. baby. Now I have to schedule therapy for Wednesday. <laughs> Just for the bit. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's talk Freaking about it, solar yeah. Power. Um, solar power. Okay, so like, when you first listened to it, what were your reactions, and how has it changed since? Okay, context is that I listened to it while packing to move in my, my older apartment. I was packing up all my stuff. I was just going to be in Evanston for a couple days to pack and then go back home for a funeral. So it was like weird, sad circumstances. And I played Solar Power literally, I think, the midnight it came out. And my first thought was like, whoa, this is different from melodrama for sure. But also, I love it. Like, it was just... And I hadn't been paying attention to lyrics yet. I hadn't been paying attention to what the songs were about yet. But I really fell in love with, like, the vibe of it. I also think I was, like, a little bit high, too. It, and Lord herself said it was a weed album. 
so, so there you go yeah. If, yeah. if you haven't listened to solar power high yet you're doing it wrong i'm sorry <laughs> i haven't listened to solar power high yet wait you have to wait zeke just made a, a, a gesture <laughs> what was your first lesson like maggie it was a horrible week for me so my previous job was working at this like bar or pizza place and I was working both there and at this coffee store that I currently work at. So I had worked like seven shifts in like three and a half days. I was like exhausted. I had slept like maybe 12 hours in four days. It was bad. So I was exhausted and I was sitting on the train and it was like 6 a.m. on the morning after she released it. And I listened to it all the way through. And I'm going to be honest, always her music takes me like a couple listens to like, like the first time I listen, I'm always like, I'm not sure yet. And then I listen to it a couple more times and then it starts to like kind of vibe and click and I'm like, oh, okay. And I hear more of the lyrics and I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So my first reaction was, ah, <laughs> and then the more I listen to it, the more I absolutely love it. Um, oh, and, and it was funny because I listened to Secrets from a Girl Who's Seen It All on the train on my way home that day and I did start like really crying on the on the CTA because I was exhausted but this like young girl she was like maybe eight years old was sitting across from me oh and god. she was like oh my god this girl is like crying on the train and I was like oh it, it's fine it's fine crying on the train to lord <laughs> yeah it's interesting because I feel like with her other music, I had a similar experience where I needed more listens. But with this one, I don't know. just came at such a perfect time. I feel like she she has such a beautiful way of acknowledging the passage of time, too. And I feel like every time she's released something, I've been like, oh, you just wrote an album that is like everything I've been contemplating for the last four years, you know? And yeah. it's like we're kind of growing up like with her music being released which feels amazing and I recognize might be a part of like why people our age love her. I think she is also preoccupied with the passage of time and so it feels appropriate that she's releasing it as we go through these life transitions because we're all kind of like in it. Valen recommended a wonderful podcast, Talk Easy. With Sam Fragoso. Yes. <laughs> and he interviewed Lord, and she talks about like kind of this preoccupation with time that she's had since she was like 15 years old, you know, and like growing up and what it means to like grow up. If y'all haven't listened to it and you're a Lord fan, go listen to the interview with Lord on Talk Easy. She's just so good with, I mean, we see it in her lyrics. She's so great with words and like putting those feelings into words. Like I think she is like a master of that. A lot of her music feels like looking back on experiences and like evaluating how she felt in the moment in a very like honest way and in, not in a way that's removed at all, which I think is what's so like visceral about her music. But there's so much to do with like positioning herself in the context of age, mm -hmm. which is really interesting mm -hmm. and also feels like honestly, wait, OK, thinking about it just now, I think what it, solar power, my hesitancy with it is that melodrama felt a little more immediate, like that was something my high school friends and I, like that emotional experience was something that felt familiar in the moment. Whereas like solar power feels like this phase of life we're entering right now. Mm -hmm. You know, where I'm like, wait, there's a line in the Stone of the Nail Salon where she says, but my blood that's been burning for so many 
summer is now. now. It's time to cool it down. Like that was a feeling I was just starting to be able to articulate this summer. And so I think when she released that, I was like, I've never thought of putting it into words that way, but maybe that's that's kind of what I mean, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like melodrama came out just as we graduated high school. Yeah. I remember it, summer of 2017. Yeah. 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 2017. Yeah. yeah. I remember being like, oh, this is exactly what my like generation, what my friend group, what I myself am like going through right now in this time but like I remember saying like I feel like solar power makes me think like Lord's transcended (laughs) I have not and I don't know that like this album is going to make me feel as like connected to her Mm -hmm. and her music as melodrama did and then Stone at the Nail Salon came out Mm. and then Mood Ring and I was like oh just kidding just I know exactly what you're talking about that's a huge part of the discourse right now about solar power is like Lord's happy now, so I can't yeah. relate. But it's also like, yes, it's like a more like she transcended more, she learned more. You can like note a lot of growth in that album, like huge amount of growth. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. But there's also still a lot of doubt. There's also still a lot of questioning. There's also still a lot of like acknowledgement of growth still to do. And I remember you saying like that moment in Stone of the Nail Salon in the chorus when she says like, I don't know, maybe I'm just stoned at the nail salon. Like, that <sighs> moment encompasses so much, like, self-editing, so much self-doubt, where she's like, I'm having all these thoughts, and they all feel so viscerally real. But, I don't know, maybe it's the drugs. <laughs> maybe I'm just stoned at the nail Yeah, I, I yeah. love, I mean, the. Co- I mean, can we can we have a stoned at the nail salon second? Yes, Like, right absolutely. now? That song... I just feel like, I mean, when we first, the day it came out, I remember us texting and being like, yeah, it's like sad, it's like the sad high. When you're yeah. high, but like, it goes the sad route. It doesn't go the like, I'm chill and this is vibes route. It goes like yeah. the like, I'm suddenly thinking about the trajectory of my life and what I've done and like regretting things potentially mm-hmm. and questioning things, which is so relatable. What you said, like how that line just like is the point of the song is like, I have all these feelings and they're uncomfortable and I have all this doubt, but maybe I'm just stoned. Yeah. No, Lord. Like those are real feelings. Like, (laughs) like you're stoned, but like they're coming out for a reason. I think for her music, drugs and alcohol have an influence Mm -hmm. in them. You know, like you can tell that she's like exploring these different phases of being while she's writing. And I think it's so interesting because like maybe in, lord's like dead sober mind she doesn't think these things or like she has the self editing Mm -hmm. thing where like she doesn't doubt certain questions that come up when she's high and then she like sits with them while she's high and then she writes music about it and i'm like oh yeah we do that too (laughs) you know (laughs) exactly like we have all these like ways in which we compose ourselves and then like they come apart when we're like with people we trust they come apart when we're like high or drunk like we we see this all the time and I feel like it's like a crucial part of being young is like testing the limits of your emotional responses to things kind of and I think she does that and then she writes music about it and I'm like oh (laughs) we all feel that way at a party we all feel that way like high on the beach you know we're like am I making the right decisions (laughs) I don't know our first or second week after moving in here Mm mm-hmm it hit me, like, the fact that we're post-grad, the fact that, like, my life is, like, what I make of it from now on. Like, like it just all hit me at once while I was high. And I don't think I would have let it hit me sober. 
Wait, the way you just said that right now made me think of so many conversations we've had about like the ways in which we let things hit us. I feel like the things that I acknowledge when I'm drunk or when I'm high are like things that I always feel somewhere like in my body, but I like don't put words to in my brain. Yeah. You know, like like their thoughts I don't let myself formulate. I think what you're talking about of like the sad high thoughts that we like don't let ourselves feel until like we're in a certain position of like guard being completely down, whether that is like weed or like talking to your closest friends where you're just like, yeah. I can say anything right now and it will not matter. And I think it's just like exceptional that she wrote that into a song. I feel like Lord with this album is like asking the listener for more patience and more stillness like i think you're i think listening through solar power requires so much more like of that still patient energy than listening to melodrama did like listening to melodrama was like let's freaking dissociate let's play some melodrama (laughs) whereas like (laughs) zeke did snap (laughs) in affirmation um whereas solar power feels so much more like girl breathe yeah. Just listen. And I feel like that's so evident in like the closing song, which I feel like is a beautiful, mm-hmm. awesome closing song. Oceanic Feeling. It's one of my favorites. It Wait, might be number two after Stone. you talk about this song, I, you talk a lot about how much you love it. And I want to hear I, it. I mean, that was one of those songs where like first listen, I was like, like, <laughs> by the way, what I just did was my mouth just like opened wide. <laughs> I realized that like people can't see my face in, like, yeah. <laughs> in a podcast. Which is a shame. Valen is stunningly beautiful. Hot people are fun. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. <laughs> but I listened to Oceanic Feeling and it was just like, you can't be like, okay, where where is the beat coming in? Like, where is it? Where is the action mm. coming? It's like you sit there and it's like, okay, notice that the bass just came in for a second notice that like okay the percussion's starting to shift into the sound now the lyrics are so tied to like her family and her past and her memories and it's just it feels like such a like just sit and notice kind of song and then the last line which is the final line of the album wait let me look it up because i don't want to i don't want to butcher it we can't misquote i don't want to butcher it pause for a second we're pausing. Say whatever nonsense you want, Zeke. <laughs> <laughs> Yells into the microphone. <laughs> All right, I got it. <laughs> the last song, the last. Oh my God, <laughs> these streaks are hitting. I, they're they're strong. <laughs> these streaks are hitting me. I make really strong drinks. No yeah. <laughs> anyway, I know you'll show me how. I'll know when it's time to take off my robes and step into the choir. I want to ask you, what do you think, like, stepping into the choir means to you? Mm. Like, what does it mean to shed off your robe and step into the choir? It feels like what she sets out to do after Solar Power is over. Interesting. I, well, I feel like so much of her album is kind of, like, rejecting this deity status that i feel like she's attained Mm -hmm. over the years like leader of a new regime like that feels like that energy as well and honestly like even her music videos like she's never the sole focus in them like she is a center of attention for sure but but there's an ensemble there's an ensemble and i feel like to me that lyric stood out as like 
being a part of a community but not being like the person that is given limitless power and in the way that I feel like she has spoken about celebrity and the ways in which it was like she felt um put on a pedestal that she didn't want to be on Mm -hmm. that's what I, I felt that lyric meant to me but honestly like that is not a song that I have spent a lot of time with yet and so I'm curious what do you think what do you feel I've been I think about it every time I listen to it mm-hmm. she intentionally chose to end the album with this lyric and it also ends in like a melodically like it feels like not resolved the yeah melody. when she finishes like it feels like there should be more or should be like a bigger finish and part of me is like should I try to dissect what that means to lord which I feel like um, in that regard I agree a lot with what you just said mm-hmm or like how do I what does stepping into the choir mean in my life and how can I can kind of take what Lord said and be like okay word yeah yeah and I think to be an artist and be a person who considers themselves someone who like wants connection and wants to be of service to a community a lot Mm -hmm. means like kind of checking when you do build a skill set to like lead and inspire and like want to make art to also like check yourself and check in on your humility and also like also remember that why you do what you do is because you build community through it i feel like that's how i see it like it's like i feel like it's really easy to be caught up on and someone who's like led a lot of projects and like directed before it's so easy to be caught on like i'm the leader i'm on this kind of pedestal and sometimes i have to sometimes i kind of have to tell myself something along the lines of like okay i need to put a robe on and step into the (laughs) choir like i need to just like be part of this community and like figure this out together like i need to stop putting this pressure solely on me like the reason i do what i do is not because it revolves around me it's because i get to do it with other people it's interesting because I feel like I've listened, maybe it was on Talk Easy, but she's like always known that she wanted to be a solo artist, which is interesting. And I feel like it, she does like collaborate with other people, of course, because, you know, it takes more than Lord alone yeah. to produce a record. But um, and so like I think she's someone who collaborates often and well and at the same time writes seemingly like in in a pretty solitary way and likes to experience life in a pretty solitary way which is really interesting and like i'm i'm curious what it means to her and of course we have no way of of knowing this we don't know her personally <laughs> yet her. so like what you said about those two things being very different what it means to her and what it means to you i think is really interesting um because we like work in an inherently collaborative field where like you you by necessity frequently need other people with you and I think that's what draws a lot of people to it well something I appreciate about her is that she takes her time with her projects she doesn't Mm -hmm. like churn out music she like lets life inspire her first and then writes music based on her life so in a way, I feel like after every album, she steps into the choir. She's like, okay, yeah, yeah so I made totally. this album. I need to go back to the choir and like live my life. Like I need to just yeah. like, ex- I think she said that in an interview I listened to. I need to just live my life. That's why it takes so long. I yeah. need to just like experience things. And then right from that, I can't just be like turning out products. And I, I feel like I find it inspiring as someone who's trying to figure out my relationship with like 
wanting to make art and like make way for me to sustain myself with art while also maintaining like a truthfulness with it and so that line I feel like speaks to her way to balance those two worlds of like providing her audience with something and making her career sustainable but also being truthful while she does it yeah I think both of us honestly feel drawn to like do the work that we that we personally want to do and it's this is a relatively new feeling for me of like not wanting to just like participate in work that people feel strongly about and I think it's in in pursuit of that idea of just like living life (laughs) and then trying to like make art that seems like it resonates somehow with what I've been feeling but I think I am wildly uncomfortable with what you're talking about that feeling of like being in charge in intimacy choreography we just talked about this on Saturday it's called title power or like expert power where like you get power from being the director of a show or the stage manager of the show that feeling of power of title power of expert power in some cases is not a a feeling I'm quite settled into yet and it's not one I like entirely trust myself with but it's also partially that like I don't want to work in that space I don't want to like be outside of the choir I don't want to be the conductor my ideal way of thinking about like being a leader in our in artistic environment is like if I were to compare it to sports would be like (laughs) (laughs) which is crazy Maggie laughed because it's insane of me to try to compare to sports but this is just I'm because so I've been watching right a now. lot of Ted Lasso, which I'm in love with. So love if it. anyone okay. watches Ted Lasso, like, I'm obsessed with it. Thinking about it as, like, I think it's a team captain. So you're part of the team, but you're also a leader within the team. You're not the coach. Yeah. So when we're on the field and we're playing, like, I'm also there. But I can observe my team and yeah. feel responsible for how it how the dynamic goes. Mm-hmm. And how you grow as a team. I feel like that's the closest comparison I can make to what I feel like I want to be as a director. Like, I want to feel like I'm on your team. Like, we're playing together. And also, if something feels off, I will say it. And yeah. I will use whatever position I have to, like, make sure we're the team that we want to be. Yeah. And have my eye on the ball. So that if y'all don't and want to just play and want to just try new things, like... Don't worry, I have my eye on the ball, so, like, I'll make sure we don't drop it. Yeah, I, I love the idea of, like, I have my eye on the ball. I'm looking at the whole field. I'll let you know if we're in trouble, but, like, for now, fuck around, do what you want. You yeah, know? take yeah. risks, yeah. go for it, I believe in you, and I'll let you know if you take it too far or you're not taking it far enough. Yeah, I think it's the same idea, honestly, but, like, a slightly different phrasing is, like, director as audience stand-in. The person who's like watching how the story is being communicated, the story that we've all agreed that we want to tell because we have talked about it. And I'm just checking in to like make sure it's reading the way that we want it to to the audience because that's ultimately what the purpose is, right? Is like how we're telling the story. Totally. Yeah. You're like the trial run. Exactly. You know? (laughs) I also really love that concept too. I just feel like we think of it so hierarchically to an extent that's harmful i think to how people feel in a space i i just hate the the feeling of actor being so of service and so like yeah my goal is to please my director i want to feel comfortable as an actor to be like this doesn't make sense or i want to try this or even to have 
the confidence to even just try it without giving a heads up. Totally. Like it's like Esther Perel says, like if you're if you don't feel safe, there's no room to play. Like there's only room to play if you have the circumstances in which you feel completely free to. Maybe that's an extreme way of putting it, but if you don't feel like at ease to play in a in a rehearsal space, there's no there's no way you will and there's no way you'll explore every option you have to tell the story, right? Like there might be more tools available, you know, like when you can think of like how your character is functioning in the story and be like, okay, I need this moment to be intimidating because the story needs this moment to be intimidating and I don't need to like be scary or feel fear from the other side. I just need this moment to read to the audience as such. You know what I mean? That whole piece of like, it just needs to read to the audience. Yeah. It's so important because yeah. <laughs> acting can become so internalized. So internalized. Like, like for, for my character to be sad right now, I must be in my most depressing state. I must like think of like the person I love most dying. Like we can just, it's fine if we don't actually feel grief. Yeah. And just kind of communicate grief. In fact, grief. probably healthy if we're doing this show multiple times a week. Like, come on. <laughs> like... No yeah. one wants to put their body through that. That's, like, intense. You do not need to feel sad. You just need to convince the audience you feel something. Yeah. And then they'll feel sad for you. And that's more cathartic for them. I can make myself be sad right now. <laughs> like, I could put on some sad music. I could think about all my regrets and all my insecurities. <laughs> I could drink, like, one more of these. <laughs> And there I am, you know. We can listen you know? to Be the Cowboy. <laughs> exactly. And I we can listen to all the Mitski in the world. And there I am. Yeah. Like, you don't really need skills for that. Like, you no. just need the right Spotify playlist, you True. know. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, to actually, like, find, like, okay, what does sadness look in my body? What does this moment look for this character specifically with the way they move and they feel? Yeah. It's so much more impressive. And it comes back to the whole thing of, like, it's so much more interesting to watch someone try not to cry than it is to cry. Yeah. Yeah. Making myself feel things on stage and like being comfortable feeling things on stage was not the issue for me. The issue was like communicating that well. Like what are you what's the goal of this moment? That made all of that like objective work make sense to me, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I mm. feel like stoned at the nail salon bringing it back to lord <laughs> i feel like is a perfect like as- association with the idea of like try not to cry versus crying she's not wallowing no she's absolutely completely just being like maybe i'm just stoned yeah but it's that tension that really we gravitate towards it's not it just feels like watching an actor try not to cry it's yeah just, you know yeah and that moment that's the guitar we decided oh. where it just says maybe i'm just bum, 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 that yeah part. <laughs> i love it because it feels like exactly that it feels like the moment she's feeling a lot but like runs out of words to say it or like needs a second to formulate her thoughts and it's not it's not wallowy at all it's like wait i'm gonna take a breath it'll keep going don't worry and then we'll come back to like what I have to say. I, I think that moment made me feel more than like many other songs on, on the album, I think. And that is saying something because I think it's a very charged album. <laughs> it kind of drills in the idea that it's just a normal occurrence, right? 
that like little guitar strum that that's not accompanied with any vocals like the rest of the times it happens it's so like this is so routine i don't even have to say the words you know it's bum, 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 bun, uh, bun. you know exactly what yeah. i'm talking about when i bum, 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 bun, uh, bum, you know yeah. <laughs> yes we do lord <laughs> <laughs> like the same old thing like i'm still at the nail salon i'm questioning my life and that's just like it really normalized existential crises. Like, you yeah. Know, like, it normalizes it. It's like another day stoned and just, like, freaking out, you know? Because, <laughs> like, what else do we do these days? Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and also, I love how she has this uncertainty under as an undercurrent in this album and then also has moments of, like, such directness i'm thinking about dominoes specifically <laughs> which is maybe my favorite song which we album. love which also gets a lot of hate i read this article that ranked it as the worst song on solar power i don't why why i love dominoes i love it too and i want to flick Welcome them down like dominoes, dominoes. <laughs> must feel good being mr again <laughs> she's like full of such conviction like it's not an album of uncertainty she has her moments but she also has her moments of being like wow i've learned that i hate this about you you know and like that again going back to the age thing that just feels like such an accurate read of what it means to be like 22 you know to be like i don't know what the fuck is happening but i know i hate that one yeah. thing, you know? i just know i feel negative emotions towards that yeah <laughs> i know you said stone to the nail salon is maybe your favorite but like what song do you feel like resonated most with you you feel most de- deeply in your soul right now and talk about why if you want I think it is Stone at the Nail Salon, truly. But I think I also, to mention another song Mm -hmm. that we need to talk about, Secrets from a Girl. Yeah. Secrets from a Girl, parentheses, who's seen it all, and parentheses. Mm -hmm. Um, Just, there's a line in it, and it goes, everybody wants the best for you, but you got to want it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Oof. Oof is right. Oh my god, you do gotta want it for yourself. Yeah. And you gotta want it and you gotta like Esther Perel says, own the wanting. Own the desire, babe. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard thing to do though. It feels like a love letter to her past self. Yeah. Which I feel like I'm so in that stage where I'm thinking a lot about freshman year of college me, sophomore year of college me. Mm-hmm. And all like the sadness and uncertainty that she was shrouded in. I just want to go back metaphorically and just like unshroud her and just like tell her it's going to be okay. Yeah. And I feel like that's what Lord is doing with that song to her past self. That's so beautiful. Yeah, I agree. That song hit me in like a weird way. And it's especially the part when she goes like tour guide. Welcome to sadness. Welcome to sadness. (laughs) (laughs) Especially the part where she says, I'm going to misquote this right now, but essentially like, Give yourself as much time as you need to get familiar with the feeling. And when you're ready, I'll be outside. That moment, that moment is the ma- moment that made me cry on the CTA. <laughs> I feel like we should, should we I'm going to read the it? whole thing. Yes, please do. Because I feel like it's just such a lovely, so basically, if you haven't listened to it yet, she has this ending part of the song 
where it's kind of like an airline voice message like mm-hmm. like over the speakers kind of message yeah and she says welcome to sadness the temperature is unbearable until you face it thank you for flying with strange airlines i will be your tour guide today your emotional baggage can be picked up at carousel number two please be careful so that it doesn't fall onto someone you love when we've reached your final destination i will leave you to it you'll be fine I'm just going to show you in and you can stay as long as you need to get familiar with the feeling. And then when you're ready, I'll be outside and we can go look at the sunrise by euphoria mixed with existential vertigo. Cool. 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 There's just so much love in it. There's like, you're going to go through this and then we'll go do something else. And like, this isn't the end all be all of human experience. And like, it isn't all sadness. There are other things out there, but you need to, like, also deal with this one, you know? It's so beautiful. Yeah. It reminds me of the beauty that I find in, like, mentorship as a concept. Mm. Of, like, hey, I've been there. I literally was there. And I can tell you, because I'm on the other side, that it's going to be okay. I have some pointers. Yeah. (laughs) From my experience, I learned some things. I want to pass them on to you. And you're going to be good. Yeah. You're going to be good. Because I'm good, and I was there where you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's totally possible. Nothing about this is impossible, even though it is unbearable until you face it. Yeah, you know? and you have to just feel it. Yeah. Welcome to sadness. You have to freaking be sad. Yeah. Yeah. And it's inter- that feels like, to me, the biggest point of like growing up between melodrama and solar power is that there's so much like the sadness is unbearable in melodrama. And then in this one, it's like, there's sadness, and there are ways to work through it, and you'll still feel it sometimes. But don't worry, like, it's not the entirety of human experience. And guess what? Guess what? Everyone feels it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it's it's actually would be weird if you weren't sad. Yeah. You know? Man, that reminds me of a different lyric. I thought I was a genius, but now I'm 22. I am currently 22 right now. So am I. And, like... I also <laughs> have been in that place where I'm like, God, I know everything. Is there anything else? <laughs> and obvious, obviously there is. But that feeling of like, man, we've already like lived and experienced so much. Are you telling me there's more we have to discover? <laughs> and like, we can't just like figure it out now. That is a lyric I resonated with. But this song is interesting. The Man with the Axe is interesting because... It's a love song. <laughs> it doesn't feel like one to me. In a way that I don't know that I like yet. This idea of being like... Felled. Is the word she uses. By love. Feels accurate. I feel like I have been there. It's not the way I hope love always goes. Violent passionate sudden consuming type of love it feels like I've been there and there's got to be something that feels a little bit better than that and I want like a breath in this song I think but it's it is beautiful and it's specific and I think it's a well-constructed piece of art 
And the last section when she says, we've been through so many hard times, I'm writing a love song for you, baby. I love that part. Um, but it does give me pause, in all honesty. It has like a a pensive, almost pensive feeling to it of like, I'm sitting down and I'm like, okay, well, if I had to, if I had to put it into words, it's the way that you dance and it's your collection of t-shirts. It yeah. just feels very like, let me think on this emotion for a second. Yeah. Whereas like true. Big Star feels so in action, like real time, like I need to process what I'm feeling, this grief. For a song that is obviously so well thought out there doesn't seem to be a lot of reflection in it whereas man yeah. of the axe is like let me think about the past year yeah <laughs> and all the ways in which i fell in love with you retroactively and big star is just like right now i'm feeling this and i need to get it out of me mm-hmm. and yeah. something i love about big star is the ending the till i die mm-hmm. and she repeats till i die till i die till i die basically the line is I want to take your picture till I die. And she mm-hmm. keeps saying, till I die, till I die, till I die. It builds and it builds and you feel that emotion and how consistent it is. Mm-hmm. There's a Buddy Wakefield lyric, not lyric, uh, line. He writes poetry, he writes spoken word. There's this one poem he wrote. It's called Harmony Enemy slash Resolve slash Come Home. And he says... I'm not scared to die. I just don't want it to hurt. I bet the biggest misconception about death is that we won't care anymore. I will never not love you. To me, in that line, there's just like a promise of consistency of emotion. You know what I mean? Where he's like, I will never not feel this way and I might learn how to deal with it in the same way that we were talking about sadness. Um, I'll learn how to process it and I'll learn how to live with it, but I will never like feel less strongly about you. That's what that song does to me as well. Till I die, till I die, till I die. Ah. Yeah. Mood ring. Mood ring. If you didn't know it was satire, you'd be like, Lord, what are you doing? Because <laughs> I feel like she kind of blends the line just a little bit. Yeah. And like the plants and celebrity news she has said is a coping mechanism for her. You yeah <laughs> she says in interviews that it's a separate character and it's satire but it also just points to so many things that are so her that it like, the line is definitely blurred and also on my first listen i did not think it was satire yeah no me neither honestly i, I totally that bought that way Lord over was my out crystals and yeah shit. like i 100 like, thought yeah, it was true okay <laughs> i agree i did process it as a criticism on like the western perversion of like eastern cultures and how it's seen as like this wellness culture that can fix your problems but hey you're still looking at your mood ring to find what you're feeling because you just don't feel nothing anything yeah my first listen of it was similar in that i was like oh i think she's saying she's looking for all these solutions to like sort through all this internal like muck and like of course it's not coming from (laughs) from any of these solutions but as someone who does yoga and who (laughs) teaches yoga as we know as we know i think it's really a good criticism i think there's a lot of like adopting 
Eastern tradition, specifically Eastern medicine, as like a quick fix to solve your problems. And while I think there's a lot of value in doing yoga personally, I, I think it's very beneficial. I think also there's a lot of cultural appropriation that goes along with it. And I think there could be a better effort on the part of most Western companies, I will say, and not me. I'm not going to speak to like individual practitioners, but like companies to do a better job, not appropriating and instead practicing yoga in a way that is respectful of its origins and of the colonialism that <laughs> brought it to the United States. I don't know, but I think she makes fair criticism in the entire song. I think she does, and I just love the line, like, I can't feel a thing, I keep looking at my mood ring. I love it, too. First of all, mood ring, so 2000s. And also just, like, man, like, I've been there where I'm, like, I can't feel a thing. If I had a mood ring, I would definitely look at it and be, like, what the fuck am I feeling? Yeah. Like, Like, I'm trying to feel this, like, life and this, like, joy and action that's happening around me, and I just feel numb, and I don't know how to go about it. And so I'm looking for all these options. And it's so tough because I get that desperation to find, like, any method possible. Yeah. How can I fix it? Yeah. Yeah. But there's no fixing anything. I remember the first time I went to a therapist, they were like, "I, I can sense you're a very logical person who wants to find the answer. And that's just not how it is. Yeah. You're just going to have to be uncomfortable Mm. and feel how that feels. And then we can go from there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The metaphor that I got today in therapy for that was you're driving a bus and you have all these things that are passengers, you know, like all these thoughts that you have that make you uncomfortable that you like don't want to think. And you can listen to them or you cannot. They're not you. You're still driving the bus. They're just along for the ride. But the thing is, they're always going to be along for the ride. So you can, like, not turn when they tell you to turn. You know what I mean? Um, and the thing <laughs> the thing about them, like, always being along for the ride, I'm like, ugh, God, can we just fix it? The answer is no. <laughs> Probably not. Um, and so I, I feel like I, I relate. And I think she has such a good point about, like, wanting to take solutions from other places. When you find some way of separating yourself from your own life, like, you go to a different place or you, like, try a new habit, like, that can feel like a way of bookending phases of your life, you know what I mean? But the thing is, we, like, carry our entire lives with us always, physically. And so, like, it seems rare that you would be able to... (laughs) fully escape like fully escaping a pattern of thought seems unlikely yeah it reminds me of this perspective shift i had within these past four years of like i feel like i felt a lot of hatred and shame of my past self like my high school middle school self um And I felt like I could take myself in a direction where it was like, I can be a whole new different person and I could keep shitting on that past self because that's not me anymore. But that didn't really solve like the hurt I felt from all that shame and all that regret I felt about who I was and the decisions I made. And I realized that I kind of just need to like 
metaphorically give her a hug and be like (laughs) you were actually awesome in the way that like you knew how to be yeah and like who i am now is because of you and that just felt so much more healing than trying to divorce myself because no matter what like you're yeah i mean little valen is always there with me and (laughs) influences so many decisions i make and even like i don't know i had this class the other day and i saw this like boy you know everyone was talking with their friends and he was like reading a book and i was like that was me like that was me like i like definitely hid in like reading my books before class instead of talking to everybody else and when i look at this kid that's not me i'm like that's okay like i get it like and you're gonna grow so much you're gonna be such you're gonna be who you are because of those books yeah but when I look at past me, it's like I it's so much more judgmental. It's like that's not how you should have been. Yeah. You should have been talking to all the kids. You should have been like more social. Maybe you would be better at it now if you had just like sucked it up then. Yeah. It's hard to have compassion for your past self and for yourself, which is why it's so much easier to not feel a thing and keep looking yeah. at your neutering. It is so much easier. Yeah. And what you just said reminded me of Sonia Renee Taylor, who I know we both have read and love deeply. Um, And I remember when I read The Body is Not an Apology, being so struck by her talking about how we create adversarial relationships with ourselves in a way that we would never do with another person. And, like, I know this is, like, such an Instagram thing that floats around of, like, you would never talk to another person the way you talk to yourself. But it's very true. Like, um, my assignment from therapy this week was to verbally say aloud all of the judgments I pass on myself. And he's like, and if you refuse to say it out loud, it's not something you should find acceptable to say to yourself. You know, like, if you would Mm -hmm. not say that thought, even about yourself and not about someone else allowed then like why why are you thinking it (laughs) you know and I was like you're right you're right you're right but it's interesting that we like create tension within ourselves that that no one else is putting on us except you know like society and years of social conditioning but you know I'm just really struck by the need that Sonia Renee Taylor expresses for like a more compassionate worldview and how that has to include ourselves in it, you know? And what she says about like, you can't learn to be compassionate about other people. Yeah. You can't learn to be accepting of other people unless you unpack all that internal work. Yeah. Like the judgments you put on yourself will be the judgments you put on other people. Right. Of course. And like, I think about this all the time. Like, I think the things that I notice first about other people are the things I either like love about myself or really like am uncomfortable with about myself, mm-hmm. generally speaking. And so I remember the first time I watched the movie, The Miserable. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember I watched it with my cousin. Shout out, Alexa. You're probably not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> but she but if you are she, hey but if you are hey love you <laughs> think you're so cool um and she said she was so struck by everyone's teeth like she was distracted by their teeth in the movie 
And I remember thinking, I have never once, like, my first instinct when I look at other people is never their teeth. Like, I never pay attention to people's teeth. I just, like, don't care. Unless you have, like, flea bag style distracting level of teeth. You know that one <laughs> character? Um, and I was thinking, oh, that's the thing that I, like, feel really neutrally about. I don't think about my teeth that frequently. But then the things I'm, like, insecure about or the things that I think are, like, great qualities of me. Those are the things I see in other people. Mm -hmm. As someone who often sees the world through people's bodies, because I have such, um, I've dealt a lot with insecurity about my my body and mm -hmm. how it's shaped and how it looks, and how much that that impacts how I view other people in the world around me and the people around me. Yeah, and how I have to actively be aware of it and shut it down when it feels against my values and when it feels against what I believe in, which is not that people's value is tied to how their body is shaped. Right. But yeah. my insecurities are so powerful in that way. I also have struggled with body image and stuff like that, and it's also something I walk through the world actively noticing. And then also I notice that like I want to make direct eye contact with people all the time because my favorite feature about my face is my eyes they're and beautiful so, like, I notice other people's eyes I know you know because I'm like paying attention to that you know I think I do a similar thing with skin sometimes because mm. I really like my skin yeah I don't know it's interesting and like these are the things that are passengers on the bus you know yeah and it's like those are the voices that like judge things in other people and judge things about yourself those are those are passengers and like oh but they're so loud <laughs> so in intrinsic to my experience you know like they're they're part of driving this bus so inherently it's hard to separate it and wow I'm looking forward to the next you know 50 years of trying to do that yeah you know god yeah Sometimes I'm like, I think I have a full bus over here. I know. I think I need we a couple people to get else. off at of the next stop soon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God, when are y'all leaving? Yeah, like, are y'all going somewhere or what? <laughs> or what, you so long for the ride? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in a very, I think, solar power fashion, what are you manifesting for yourself for the next day month year for your life like what 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 is something you want to like bring into the world in which the sun is kind of functioning as this path for lord i want and this feels like not the wisest Goal, but I really want to fall in love yeah. and I've said this for so long I feel like. <laughs> but I feel like now I have the time we have time now we have time now yeah and I I really want I also want to feel desirable I feel like I still struggle with that feeling like I think I've had a narrative in my head most of my life that I'm smart but I'm not someone people desire which I think is wrong. I think it's wrong also. And I think there have been so many people who have been in love with you. <laughs> <laughs> Even if that's not true, if no one's ever been in love with me in my entire life, 
I want to believe that I'm unlovable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I oh, want, yeah. I want to get to a place where I'm like, someone can fall in love with me. Yeah. And I am, I am someone people can desire. Like, I really, I don't think I've fully internalized that yet. And I think that brings a lot of, like, honestly, like, pain yeah. to me. Like, I feel really on edge and insecure about that. And I want to be able to, to face that and challenge that. And it's scary. I want to be vulnerable in a romantic way, but I also want to be more vulnerable in all my relationships and all my friendships and in my family relationships too. I want to just be more authentically who I am in a way that's not ashamed. But yeah. 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 I think that's so beautiful. What about you? What are you manifesting? Um, hmm. <sighs> I'm really manifesting the idea of like being in process and being fine with being in process. And I think I I feel myself particularly like bound to productivity culture in that like I, I feel dissatisfied if I haven't accomplished something, but like I don't want like we're so young <laughs> and it's totally fine to not be there yet because honestly what a tragedy it would be if this was as good as it got you know like if this was the time in our lives when everything happened like that doesn't make any sense <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to be fine with being in process and be fine with being totally imperfect I'm driven to learn more and I'm driven to be a better friend and a better partner when I'm with someone and I'm a better artist and like knowing that will take time and practice yeah I think that's a big patience (laughs) big patience (laughs) um not something that comes naturally to me but I'm I'm working on it those are some of our thoughts on solar power (laughs) Yeah, uh, as you can tell, we really love Lord. <laughs> we love Lord. <laughs> um, he really is such an inspiration for me. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, God. Her music just hits in a way that it feels like, um, <laughs> it feels like, I don't even know what I'm trying to describe, but you know, like, I have a, an image of a ball going like, ch- <laughs> down your torso you know what i mean that's what her music feels like to me it's just it, it's in your body it's in like in a your full body. way yeah yeah and, and it like lands and then it continues and it lands again and you know? it's it, i love that image because it feels like i could lay down and be still and listen to all of lord's album and still feel like i moved yeah yeah from one place to another yeah Mm. Yeah. God. I love you, I love, Lord. Love you, Lord. <laughs> if you're listening, okay, if you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um anyway, thank you all for listening. Yeah, we love you. We love this you. means a lot that you're listening if you are and if you want to share this podcast with a friend, if you like what you've heard so far, go ahead. Do it. Or not, um, or not. You know, if you're or like, or just be like, this is mine. <laughs> yeah. Like this is mine. These friends are mine. <laughs> um, and as always, if you have thoughts, things you want to talk about, 
with us or you want us to talk about on the podcast, feel free to send us a message. Yeah. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, hope you have a yeah. lovely rest of your week. Yeah. All right. I love you. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Time Now is produced by Magdalena Delzel and Valen Marie Santos and edited by Valen Marie Santos. We come out with new episodes every Friday. Bye! You know how people who, like, are really Christian will be like fear God. Yeah. Like I feel like fear winter. Like that is like, the like Lord religion energy. <laughs> <laughs> like,